Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, daf Tzadi Vav, page 96. We have three Mishnayot on this daf. Yerdena, you said yesterday that uh, the Mishnayot can indeed be challenging. Here's a daf where we've got a lot of Mishnah, less Gemara, to help flesh out the details of the Mishnah. On the other hand, the Mishnayot themselves, certainly this first one that I'm going to read, provide a good number of details. It's pretty long. The other two you'll take afterwards. Amrulo. So what happens? The witnesses come, right? This is again a story of Midinat Hayam. Amrulo Meta Ishtacha, your wife has died. And he marries this man whose wife has died, or has witnessed his born testimony that that his wife has died. Um, he marries her sister or her half-sister, really, from her father's side. Okay. And then the witnesses tell him that the second wife, meaning the sister from the father, has died. Sister of the original wife from the father has died. And now he marries the sister from the mother. Now, what is not clear to me, and this is a good question, I feel, um, you know, is it the sister of the first wife or the sister of the second wife? I believe it is the sister of the first wife, um, as opposed to, you know, the right, the the sister. The first. Let's say this carefully. Let's give them names so that we can understand this. Right. So Sarah has a sister. Her name is Yiska. The sister is from the father's side. She's got another, or from the mother's side, let's say. And then she's got another sister, Hagar, just from the father's side. And so Hagar and Yiska don't have any relationship to each other at all, right? But Hagar has another name, another sister. Oh, I can't do this. Another sister whose name is Frida, meaning I don't care how the names line up, right? Because there's no scenario that we already know where it exactly lines up with these people. So the question then is, Sarah has died. He marries Hagar. Is the person, then Hagar dies, is he marrying Frida, Hagar's sister from the mother? Or is he, is he marrying Yiska, Sarah's sister from the mother? The Mishnah in this case does not specify. Um, and so we're going to understand that there's an ambiguity here that the Gemara, in fact, may flesh out and the commentaries may flesh out, right? If you're dealing with an actual case, this is what the, the court would need to figure out. Now, what happens? And then she dies. And now he marries a sister from the father. And again, she dies. That one dies. That new wife dies. And he marries the sister of the wife. The sister of the wife, but from the mother's side only. And then it turns out that none of these women have died at all. Okay, so your data, do you think this is an envelope pushing one? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Or, or, or as we coins it, a soap opera one. <laughs> right. Meaning, this isn't just the saga of Nebuch. There's a testimony that turns out to be incorrect. And we understand that that could be a very painful, complicated story. But this is like, you know, he's married how many women here? One. He married his first wife, then a paternal sister, then the maternal sister, then the paternal sister, then finally another maternal sister. Okay, that's a lot of people to say that this it's- is this one man married because, you know, frankly, I wouldn't let him marry if all these women are dying on his watch, right? Like, meaning this is clearly the Gemara is determining what the halacha would be were there such a case. That's really different than a case came before the Beit Din. All of these women are alive. 
ובשלישית ובחמישית, ופותר את צרותיהן, ואסור בשנייה ורביעית, ואין ביד אחת מהן פותר את צרתה. So what happens, it says that she's allowed to stay married to the first wife, the original woman, and then to the third and to the fifth, because these women are not sisters. Okay, so that will answer the ambiguity, right? Meaning the mission itself is siding with the fact that these women are in our or we're not siblings, so he can marry the people who are not related, um, who are not related. Now, the tricky part is, of course, that to say that they're not sisters, it also seems to be that because when they're when they're sisters on the mother's side as opposed to the father's side, they're not considered halachic sisters, um, which, again, biologically would be very bad, but from a halachic perspective, that's how halacha works sometimes, right? So, because they're not sisters, the, like, staying married to them or whatever works. So he's now he's got many wives, right? Which is complicated and messy, but he's not, but the it's not a marriage. It wasn't a marriage and it's not in violation of uh, marrying a sister, which is of the Arroyot. Okay. And likewise, and likewise, the Gemara says, um, if, if he died um, and then one of them like had Yibum, right? Then they would, then they would exempt their tzarot, their tzarot, right, the co-wives. But what about the other case? He is prohibited from the second and the fourth, the second and the fourth meaning paternal sisters. And in the case that it had been the man who had died and the wife had um, done yibum, then that relationship between them does not poter, does not exempt the co-wife, meaning she was forbidden to this brother. So the fact that there's, so then there's no yibum at all, um, which, you know, again, complicates the matters. Um, this is this brings us back to the beginning of Yavamot, where you really need a chart. And my feeble attempts at naming these people is insufficient, right? Like if you line it up and say, like, this man married, this is a sister and this is a sister, you'll end up with, you know, I am my own grandpa kind of arrows and, and circling around. But I think it becomes a little bit clearer. Next, the Mishnah continues. He sleeps with the second wife after the death of the first wife. So, again, the first one, let's say she really died, but the other ones were alive. Not the first one, but the, but the late, the first one was a true testimony. She really did die. And the other one where the rumors, the story was that each of them died, but they weren't dead. They or in fact alive, then he can stay married to the second and the fourth, as a po- meaning where those are the people who are not related to his first wife, and he can stay married to them without there being a problem, which is the opposite of the psak if sh- the first wife is also alive. Um, and they do exempt the, the tzarot if there was a case of yibum, and he would be forbidden, and he would be forbidden to be with the, the, with the the sisters by matrilineal, the matrilineal line, and again, in the case of Yibum, if it had been the husband who died, right, then the they do not exempt any co-wives because there shouldn't be a Yibum situation to begin with. Okay, now, that's the end of the, let's call it the first half of the Mishnah. Yerdana, you said in preparation that it's as if there's two separate Mishnayot here in this one Mishnah, and it really feels that way because the topics are really quite different. Um, the first one, again, go make your charts. It'll be helpful or stay, 
you know, with the mind spinning, because that's what it is. Um, the second half of the Mishnah here. We have a boy who's nine years old in one day. So what happens? We have uh, a woman who, meaning there's a couple and the husband dies. And now there's a woman who's needing Yibum. And let's say this nine-year-old um, sleeps with this woman. Then he ends up disqualifying his brothers, any other brothers, right? He gets to her first. He disqualifies them from becoming the Avam. And the brothers, likewise, if they were the ones, if any one of them were the ones to have gotten to her first, so to speak, then they would negate him as possible as a possible Yavam. Now, he's nine in one day, and he cannot marry her. He's not really the Yavam. But what he can do is negate his brothers from being the Yavam. It only works in his case. He can only negate, he can only disqualify his brothers if he sleeps with her first, meaning before anybody else comes along. But the brothers would negate him, negate his ability to be the, it's not about to be the Abam. His right or, or the opportunity to sleep with her would be prohibited to him um, if any of the brothers has slept with her first uh, before he did. Ketzad. Now the Gemara, the Mishnah, rather, and this is an important point. We in the Gemara we ask all the time, Ketzad, how is this so? What is this case? The Mishnah doesn't usually do it, but in this case, it, you know, it's a it's it's a difficult case. What's happening here with this nine year old? So the Mishnah says, "What's how is this so? How what's going on?" So again, we've got this boy. He's nine years old and one day old. Nine years and one day old, and he sleeps with the Avama. And he negates his brothers from being the Avam. Fine, we got that. Bo Aleachin, if the brothers, meaning not this nine-year-old, anybody else, and again, these the the brothers are they've reached the age of majority, right? They are old enough to actually be a Yavam. Bo Aleachin Vasuba Ma'amar Get Poslin Ayado. So it's not just if one of the brothers slept with her, if the brothers any one of the brothers who are old enough, right? They either slept with her or they did ma'amar, right? That's the levirate betrothal, you recall. Not new get, or if they gave her a bill of divorcement, oh, chaltsu, they did chalitza, poslin ayado. Then they disqualify the nine-year-old from ever sleeping with her um, forever, meaning they have negated his right to do so. Okay, so we have here, as I said, it's essentially two mishnayot in one, Two different topics, very uh, Yevamot topics, very strong Yevamot topics. Um, and I think, Yerdena, you've got other Mishnah waiting for us. Yeah, we're really, we made a decision here to do a lot of the Mishnah as opposed to the uh, Gemara today. So, you know, the, the Gemara basically, it's, you know, it's just going to sort of go through trying to elaborate a little bit more what exactly the cases are here that they're talking about. So since the previous Mishnah, uh, you know, talked about, that once a uh, Yavam is nine years old, if he's with his Yavama, this basically would prohibit the other brothers from taking her into Yibum. In other words, it's basically setting down the minimum age for uh, Yibum on the male side. Um, so the Mishnah here is going to discuss a case where you have two minor Yavamim who are with a Yavama, or one minor Yavama is with two Yavamot. So, So, so if a boy of nine years and one day had a sexual relationship with his Yavama, 
And then afterwards, his brother, who was also nine years and one day, also was with this woman. The second brother disqualifies the first brother from taking the Avama into Yibam because um, it's the second act that has legal effect. So the first brother is disqualified. Um, in other words, what it's basically saying is this is a case where someone dies without children. The Avama basically falls to two minors, both are above the age of nine, right? When the first of the minors, right, is with the Yavama, he sort of acquires her in, in, in some sort of way. Um, uh, because as we, you know, because we saw that, uh, the, the, a minor, this is discussed, you know, on, on, on the previous, uh, Amud, right. On, on, on Sadi Bav Aleph, that that is equivalent to an adult mamar, right? So a, a minor Yavam, uh, being with the Yavama is equal to adult Ma'amar. The second brother then is also with the Yavama. And so the Mishnah is basically saying that this also takes effect. Um, and so we, and we know based on the dot that we learned on, on uh, Daf Nun, that Ma'amar can take effect after Ma'amar. That's essentially what this saying is. Um, so that's sort of what, what, what this is uh, talking about here. I think it gets uh, really messy because the nine-year-old is not really doing yibum, but he's also not not doing yibum, right? Meaning it's not a full yibum. He's not responsible for to care for her going forward and so on. But right. I mean, he also let's up, state what but, it is. We don't like this mission because it's talking about nine-year-olds. So correct. the whole thing is like very upsetting. Now, again, do I think that it's possible in, you know, some iteration of yibum that some of these ma'amar, the designations were could have been done with nine-year-olds? Yes, I do think that's a possibility. I don't think the Gemara, I hope the Mishnah is not endorsing, you know, the relationship as it is actually explained in the Mishnah itself. So it, it's a difficult, these are like the kinds of Mishnahs, like it's arguing a halachic point, but in a way that for the modern learner is very, very distasteful and just makes us uncomfortable. I mean, it makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to guess it makes many of our co-learners uncomfortable. Although so, I would say, again, it's a little bit the, just the parameters, right? Meaning younger than nine years old and one day, don't forget that one day, right? Like, I think that makes the point that we're talking about the outside limit of what would outside limit. Exactly. It's be the outside limit. Exactly. But I think most of us would want the outside limit to be 18. But again, that's just the construct <laughs> of our society. But that's just the construct of our society. You know, one can make an argument. Maybe it should be 21 today. I don't know. So Rabbi Shimon, for, on there, Rabbi for, Shimon says, right. So Rabbi Shimon says, low post cell. The second brother does not disqualify uh, the first brother. And again, there's, you know, the commentators will go through why that is. Um, because according to Rabbi Shimon, the act of this cohabitation between a minor and his Yabama does not actually, you know, make him sort of acquire the Yavama. That's not, you know, that that's actually, he thinks that there's a legal suffix to that. And if the minor is able to sort of acquire his Yavama through cohabitation, it's not a partial one. It should be a full one. In other words, it shouldn't be equivalent to Mamar. It should be equivalent to, you know, it, it, it's, it's a full act of Yavama. So, you know, that's going to be Rabbi Shimon's point here. Uh, the mission now has a second case. So again, you have a minor who's with his Yavama. Now he's with his co-wife, who would be a second Yavama from that same husband. 
Posel Ayide Atmo. Again, he disqualifies himself from taking the first Yavama when he basically, you know, is no longer a minor uh, because there's a legal effect with him being with that second Yavama. And so the first one is also is also going to be prohibited. Rabbi Shimon Omer Loposel, Rabbi Shimon says he's not disqualified for the same reasons that we just explained before, uh, because he doesn't believe that necessarily a minor being with the Yavama has any effect at all. Or if it does, it should be a full effect and not considered to be ma'amar. Gemara here is very short. It's going to quote a Bryce that's explained Rabbi Shimon a little bit more and then uh, wants to differentiate between the first and second part of the um, uh, of the Mishnah itself. Now we'll move on to the third Mishnah here. Um, and it's going to get into more of a discussion about laws of a minor as it, as it relates to Yivam. Ben Let's say you had a boy of nine years in one day who was with his Yavama and then died, and they also didn't have children. The Yavama needs chalitza from a surviving another, let's say there was a third brother, surviving brother, but is not taken into Yavam by that brother. So in other words, this Yavama basically has a relationship with the remaining brother with the Zika of two, of two Yavamim, the first brother and the minor brother, um, and therefore, he can't take her into Yibam and he has to chalitza because that's something that we've, uh, that is basically something uh, that we, uh, that we've seen, uh, that we've seen before, that if there's sort of like two people to do Yibam with, um, you end up not doing Yibam with anybody, you just do chalitza with the surviving brother. And that was like, I believe that was somewhere in the Lamed uh, where that was talked, where that was talked about. Um then it goes on to say, Nasa Isha Ume. Let's say the minor married a woman and then died. Harezo Petura. She's exempt from both Yivum and Chalitza. So, in other words, if a minor was married with a woman, right, not as Yivama, just got married for the purposes of marriage, he died without children, and there's a surviving brother, right? His wife doesn't have to do Yivum or Chalitza because basically this is a minor. It, it, there's no effect on the marriage. It's not really a marriage until he's actually 13. And that's what it's trying to say. Um, uh, then the third ruling here, Ben Teisha Shanim If a boy of nine years in one day was with his Yavama, and then when he becomes an adult, he marries another woman and then dies without having children. If he did not, if he was not with his Yavama after reaching adulthood, the first wife has to do chalitza with, let's say, a third remaining brother, right? But cannot be taken into yibum. But the second one can do yibum or could do uh, chalitza. And the reason for this is because if he was not with her as an adult, right, it's basically he was just with her with ma'amar. So there is some zika, and that's why they do chalitza with the first wife, but he, he doesn't actually have to be with her. The second one, um, and, and sorry, and also the issue is, is that, uh, you know, so so he, he doesn't have to be with her. Um, uh, he's not with her at all. And, and also there still remains sort of the Zika of two brothers here. But the second one only has a Zika of just that second brother. And 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 that's it of the one who the, of the minor. Rabbi Shimon disagrees with this. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Miabim Le'ezo Shirtzah. The surviving brother, the third brother, can actually do yibum with whoever he wants, and then does chalitza with the second one. Finally, the mission concludes, This all applies to whether he's nine years old and one day, 
right? Or if he's 20 years old and still doesn't have pubic hair. In other words, he's still not an adult. And so that's also a very, very interesting, uh, you know, uh, a, a piece here, because really what the mission is trying to make a point about saying is, is that this all has to do uh, with a, um, uh, this basically all has to do with, you know, what is really considered to be a minor? What does it mean for a minor to enter into marriage? And so I think like, the last clause of the mission, at least for me, maybe redeems the Mishnah a little bit because it's not really talking about nine-year-olds. It's really talking about somebody who entered into some sort of relationship as a minor. I, I don't know. And does it make you feel a little bit better about this Mishnah? Um, okay. <laughs> Meaning? <laughs> not really. I'm trying. I'm trying really. No, really I th- like I said, I, I th- like I said before, I think that when we're dealing with the parameters we kind of have to hold the distaste in abeyance because because they're not saying that this was a real life story. If this was a real life story, we would have a whole lot more to talk about, I think, in a different kind of way. I mean, I don't mean more. I mean, then the distaste would be front and center. Here, it's still a construct, kind of. Right. Um, okay. And I would just say one other thing. There's some very interesting Gemara here where essentially Rabbi Yochanan, it tries to really work out this whole thing about like the ma that how is it considered a mamar of an adult versus you know w- with this cohabitation of a minor and then he has difficulty essentially like sort of resolving some of the difficulty here that he's trying to do and there's this very interesting story where Rabbi Elazar goes and you know and says this teaching of Rabbi Yochanan but he didn't say it in the name of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan hears Rabbi Lazar, and he didn't, cret, cret, you know, say it was in his name, and he becomes uh, very, very angry. Um, and uh, just read it. There's like a whole interesting story there. You see Rabbi Yochanan being like a little bit makbid on his uh, on his kavod there, um, and uh, uh, you know, and and it end it ends with this uh, with this line. It has to do with the with the machlokas between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yossi about whether you can use a bolt as a wedge on a door on Shabbat. Um, and uh, there's a whole line there. They tore, they tore a Torah scroll uh, in their anger, right? In other words, the point being that this ends up becoming such a heated debate, right? That, that like, it almost, it desecrates Torah. Um, it, it, it desecrates Torah itself. And so, you know, the question is really, you know, then the Gamargo sued, do they actually really you know, tear it up. Is that something they meant to do? And then it says, you know, that it was, it's unintentional. They didn't mean to, but just pay attention to it. It's a good story that's on the Gemara that we didn't have time for today. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this DAF nine years old and all. Uh, Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.